fun. Last weekend, I, I launched this three-week series that's really, I called it Beyond You. And the idea is that the Holy Spirit of God is beyond any of us. We can't explain who the Holy Spirit is. We know He's the third member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what does it mean to be, quote, led by the Spirit, end quote? If you've been around Timberline very long, you know that we believe in the empowerment of the Spirit of God in our lives. But you also know that we don't like to make that silly or spooky. It's very important for us to understand how powerful God is and how He works through His Spirit. What does it mean for you to say, Lord, I give you my life and I trust that you will lead me to do the things you want me to do without making it weird? And so today I want to just continue that series and I want to focus on ministering to other people. Sometimes the Spirit of God in our lives helps us to understand certain things about people, um, about even, even environments that we are in through discernment. Um, how many of you have ever had something just pop into your head, a person or a thought that you know was the Spirit bringing you a thought? Hey, sometimes it's an answer to a problem. And so learning to lean on that and depend on that and not be afraid of that becomes very, very important. Now, before we dive into the outline, by the way, when I, when I saw the back of that outline and all those blanks, I was scared. I, I'm sorry about that. It's kind of intimidating there. I, uh, some of these are just real quick and easy, so I'll try to make it quick on a couple parts. But, but one of the things I, I want to say going into this is that I know many of you right now are facing some of the greatest challenges that you've ever faced. Economic times, business. I, I talked to three people just last night who still have been out of work for over a year. And uh, two of them had lost their house and and had gone into bankruptcy. And, and I know it's it's tough to come into a setting like this and have me say, let's be others focused when your life seems to be falling apart. So I want to I want to say just briefly, for those of you who need to focus on you or looking for work, or, I get that. And, and I'm paying attention to that. And we as a church want to help you and continue to pray for you. But sometimes we do need to be challenged not to live our whole lives focused on who we are and our own problems. And sometimes our problems get better when we start to look at helping other people. And so today, let's, let's be open to saying others. Jesus is like the perfect role model for this. You read Jesus, you're going you're gonna to always find him focusing on other people. I think of the woman at the well in John 4. Remember this story? It's a Samaritan woman. You're not supposed, Jews aren't supposed to talk to Samaritans. And yet he starts this conversation and finds out about her five husbands and the man she's living with that's not her husband and, and on and on. And it ends up changing her life forever. And the whole town, the Bible says, uh, was changed by that moment. Just because Jesus was others focused. I think of Zacchaeus. The Bible says he was a, a very short guy and uh, he wasn't tall in stature. So he climbed up in a tree to see Jesus. And Jesus goes right up to the tree and he says, hi, Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree. Let's go have dinner at your house. Jesus was others-focused. At the end of that meal, Zacchaeus had changed. He was paying people back the money that he had ripped off from them. God changes people. I think of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And, and it's interesting, too, that they brought her to where Jesus was because they all knew that they wanted to kill her. They were going to stone her to death, as the law said. But Jesus saw something different than they saw. He knew she had committed adultery. He wasn't denying the facts. But he was, in fact, offering compassion and care and grace. 
and forgiveness for her sin. How many of you need that once in a while? <laughs> yes, yes, we all do. So with that in mind, let me give you just three concepts before I dive into the outline. And these are just thoughts that will help us stay others focused, okay? So there, in your notes it says some concepts to think about. And I've shared some of these before, but I want you to write them down and think about them. When you walk into a room, the first one, does your attitude say, here I am? Or does your attitude say, there you are? There is a huge difference between the here I am people who just want to make a splash and all attention is on them versus that person who walks in a room and immediately has this attitude that says, there you are. They are others focused. And I've learned through time also that here I am people who end up in churches tend to build here-we-are type churches, like come and see the great things we're doing. We're the best at this, and we're the best at that, and here we are. And they want the community to be, it's all about here we are. And that's not honoring to God. I want us to be there-you-are people, because there-you-are people build there-he-is churches. We can introduce them to the God who changes us. Our attitude, let's be others-focused. Number two right there is, I will listen or I will do the talking. I will listen or I will do the talking. Now, I get this. Conversation takes two people. So there are times in conversations when you need to be doing the talking. And so don't just go silent in a conversation. But I do think it's important, and don't look at anybody or tap anybody right now, okay? <laughs> to understand, have you ever been around someone who pretty much does all the talking and you don't have to say anything or you don't get to say anything? It's like the old counselor's adage that his job or her job is to be in the office and the client comes in and they say, mm-hmm, uh-huh, okay, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. And then the last thing, $150, please. <laughs> See, we, we sometimes we forget that being others-focused means that we are willing to listen, to hear, to get involved in someone's life. I heard a statement recently, boy, is it true. It's easy to get into somebody's life, but it's really tough to get out. Is that true? So sometimes we are reluctant. We are reluctant to get involved in people's lives because we know it's costly. Jesus jumps in. So the third thing right there is, I see the need or I am the needy one. Which are you? I see the need or I become the needy person all the time. We have choices to make about how we're going to live our lives. And there are seasons when we're needy. All of us. I get that. But don't live your whole life being the needy one. You have something to give. So let's talk about the Romans chapter 8. I want to read it because this really talks about being led by the Spirit and what it means. Verse 12 of Romans 8. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters... You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. That's the flesh man without God. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, which we all have, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, 
you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. So much so that now we call Him, and there's that wonderful word, Abba. Daddy God, Abba Father. It's that intimate relationship. For His Spirit joins our spirit to affirm that we are in fact God's children. Aren't you thankful? Man, I'm thankful for that. So number one in your outline, under the main outline there, is it takes the Holy Spirit to be led by the Holy Spirit. You say, well, that makes sense. Yes, it does. But I want to stop and just and tell you why I wanted that in your notes. Sometimes we start to believe that we can do stuff in our own strength. Now, true, God uses us. He uses our intellect, our emotional lives to do His work on the earth. No doubt about it. But you and I are not the Holy Spirit. How many of you know you're not the Holy Spirit? See, when we start acting like we're the Holy Spirit and we're the watchdog of the church and we're the guard of holiness and we need to tell everybody what's appropriate and what isn't and we know and we ruin what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is working on people in their lives every day all the time? Do you know that the people who you can't stand right now who are driving you crazy, do you know the Holy Spirit's trying to work in their life? And if you're just a grumpy old Christian that's trying to tell them how to shape up, it's not necessarily helping what the Spirit's trying to do in their life. How many of you get that? We often get in the way of what God is trying to do. If we're going to be led by the Spirit, we need to let the Spirit lead us, not lead Him. I feel like sometimes Christians, I watch them and it's almost like, come on, Spirit, come with me. You've got a job to do over here. I found something you need to look into. Instead of us being led by the Spirit of God and open to what He wants us to do, we are empowered by Him. I read a lot of uh, different translations of the Bible devotionally. And one of my favorites is called The Message. Anybody ever read from The Message? And it's just a real contemporary language. I want to just read what verse 5 of Romans 8 says from The Message. Just listen to this. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's Spirit is in fact in them, living and breathing God. See, these are the things that happen in our lives when the Spirit is really in us. Our actions, our thoughts, our lives are being motivated by what the Spirit wants us to do, not just our selfish desires. So that's why it's really imperative for us to get this right. The second thing in your notes right there is that Jesus is, in fact, others-focused. Others-focused. And I've talked about that already, but as you write that down, I'm going to read a little story, and we're going to pull out some observations from this story. It's an example of how others-focused he was. Okay, Luke chapter 7. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. I would have been freaking out if I would have been there. This is freaky. 
Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. You know, you read stories like this, and, and you just, you've got to stop and slow down and say, what was that like? Here's a small community. This is a small village most of you have never heard of. And, and yet Jesus ends up there. They're grieving. It's so sad when children die, isn't it? Teenagers die. You know, in our community, when it just seems like it's sad when anyone dies, but especially young people. And it just brings a different kind of emotion to our lives. And, and we think about what they could have been. That was the story. The whole village has come out. And this poor widow, her only son, and, and they're doing this procession, and Jesus is there. And Jesus is focused on her need. And he makes a difference in that moment. There's five observations that I see just in those few verses that we just read that I want to talk about and I want you to have an open heart about. Number one is, I can make a difference wherever I am. I can make a difference wherever I am. Here Jesus was with his disciples in this village. It's a small village. It's not, quote, a big platform. And sometimes I watch people who who don't realize that that they can make the most difference with their lives where they already are. It's good to go on missions trips. It's good to do things, you know, bigger than your world. But probably about 90% of your influence in life is in a circle about this big compared to the rest of the world. And that's where you probably have the potential of being led by the Spirit the most. With the people you see every day or every week or every month. Are you being led by the Spirit in that circle? Because I, I hear people say, you know, well, when this happens, I'll do that. Uh, they live waiting for certain moments. Like when I finish school, can I just say, those of you in school, I know a lot of our students are gone right now, but school may be one of the biggest opportunities for ministry that you'll ever have. To be involved, to, uh, to shift people's thinking. Don't wait till you get out of school. Be in school, fully engaged, led by the Spirit. Well, when I get my doctorate, I'll be able to... Well, during that journey, take people with you. Influence them during that education process. Well, when I'm out of debt, then I'll... And, and I hear that and I just say, well, yeah, it's good you're focusing on getting out of debt, but pay attention to what's happening to you as you're in that journey. You can influence people with you. Or uh, You ever hear this one? When I win the lottery... <laughs> okay, here's the question. How many of you would pay tithe if you won the lottery? <laughs> I had someone ask me one time, they said, would you take money from someone? Would the church accept money from someone who won the lottery? Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course we would. <laughs> I always say, we, you know, we love hell's money for heaven's gain all the time. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> when I win the lottery, here's another one. Well, when the kids are gone, hey, being led by the Spirit and investing in your kids while you have them may be how you most impact the world. Because those kids are going to go change the world. One way or the other, right? And so, so be fully present. Engage with what you have now. You can make a difference right where you are. Don't wait until then or till you go there. Be led by the Spirit now. Do the things. Jesus was there. He was engaged. He wasn't going to let this moment pass Him. Number two here, another observation from this story is that I must learn to keep my spiritual eyes open. 
I, I, I see Jesus. Here's what's said in, in, the, in the verse that we already read. It says, when Jesus saw her. When Jesus saw her. Now, how many of you understand when I say you can physically see something and not spiritually see it? you get that? I hope you do, because you might see a person, but not really see or discern or be able to really see into the person. But the Spirit helps us see through that person, into that person. And, and spiritually, that's what I'm talking about, being able to see, not just physically, but spiritually, being able to discern truth. I, I just did a quick little look in the Bible of the times it says Jesus saw and the needs he saw. And you know, when he remember that time he climbed up on the hill and he looked over Jerusalem? And the Bible says he saw Jerusalem, and what was his emotion? Anybody remember? He wept. See, he didn't weep because he saw buildings and people walking around and it was too dusty. He wept because what he saw was translated into spiritual discernment. He saw them. He felt what was going on spiritually there. He saw. Do you and I see? Jesus saw this woman and he kept his spiritual eyes open to discern. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is John 6. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And, and the first line, how that story starts is this. Jesus saw a great crowd of people climbing the hill. He saw them. You guys, Jesus sees you today. He sees into you today. He knows you. He knows what your battles are. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows your doubts and your fears. You can trust Him. And the Spirit of God can quicken us to do the same. Let's keep our spiritual eyes open. Okay, number three. Practice showing compassion. How can we practice showing compassion? The Bible says in this story that we read, when he saw this woman, his heart overflowed with compassion. Now, I realize that some people are more compassionate than others. Is this true? <laughs> How true is this? I mean, some people... I had, a, I had a, my first kind of real football experience was in seventh grade. And uh, I had to have a note from my mom because I wasn't... But you had to weigh 80 pounds to play. And I did not weigh 80 pounds. And so I had this special note that I, that I could play flyweight football and... One of my first days on the field, I just got smashed by this guy, at least seven pounds bigger than me, at least. And <laughs> I had the air knocked out of me, and I remember laying on the field. Nothing else was wrong, and I was trying to get my breath back, but I just laid there. I'm just kind of waiting for the ambulances and, you know, the stretcher and the little cart to come and get me. And the coach just comes running out on the field. He puts his finger and says, Northrop, get up and get off the field. I'm like, where's my mom? <laughs> Don't look at them now, but do you, do you know someone that just isn't very compassionate, you know, in life? And, and that can be good, too. That, that can help us. But in a spiritual sense, we're talking now, will we be the people who care when no one else does? Compassion's an interesting thing. What do you think the opposite of compassion is? Would it be indifference? Could be. I think that's a, that's a good one. Um, but, but compassion is such an active word. Indifference, obviously, is just kind of neutral, not engaged. And I think if we pressed it a little farther, 
I think another word that could be used there would be judgmental. Because compassion is caring for a need, and kind of the opposite of that would be judging someone who's in a need. It's amazing how, how you can see the same person, two people, and one walks away feeling heartbroken for them, and the other walks away going, well, they deserve it. And, and it's just weird what happens in our minds. And I know sometimes tough love is a real thing. And if you have to say no and you draw lines in your life, I'm all for that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those moments when the Holy Spirit wants you to see into the spiritual soul of someone and wants you to care and maybe you will weep or maybe you will laugh or maybe you'll send a note or maybe you will offer help in ways that you would not offer otherwise. But the Spirit quickened you. There was compassion there. You felt the pain that that person was going through. Let's think about that. Let's, let's be careful. Number four, do whatever is within your power. Do whatever is within your power. This is a, this is a very important observation in the story because... What did Jesus do that was within his power? He raised him from the dead. How many say that's a pretty high standard to follow? Okay? That's setting the bar pretty high. So let's start going to funerals and just believe in God and No, that's not that's not what we're supposed to do. Why? Because you don't have the power to raise someone from the dead. Could the Spirit of God quicken you, use you to do that? Yeah, he could, but it's pretty highly unlikely. Would you agree? So instead of saying, okay, well, I'm never just going to pray for anybody because you can't raise... No. What can you do? What power do you have? What authority have you been given? What is your sphere of influence? What can you do there? Because we're not... We don't have all... We're not omnipotent, all-powerful like God is. But, but we can give a cup of cold water. We can care about someone in need. We can go the extra mile. We can open a door for them. We can help our neighbor. We can, what can we do? I, I, I'm amazed at how many people don't do anything because they can't do what they really want to do. Like, oh, if I had this, I would, well, why don't we just do what we can? Why don't we just do a little bit instead of not doing anything because we can't do it all? I mean, everybody would like an extreme makeover on their house, right? You see this show, Move That Bus moment, and it's like, whoa. And I call it a, a box of Kleenex show for Bonnie, you know, because, I mean, it, she's always crying during that show. And I have to admit, man, if I'm really watching it, I keep walking out of the room so I don't get too engaged, you know. It's emotional. And, and I wonder, when it's all done and they're in that house, how many other people in the town also had serious needs that, that needed to be met? And their needs aren't met. And, and, you know, you wonder, how, how did they get chosen? But yet, we got to be happy for the one that got chosen. But we are the people who somehow have antennas out there to say, I can't just not do something because I can't do it for everybody. What are my limits? How can I make a difference with the time I have, the dollars I do have, the strength I do have, the health I have been given? I'm going to use that. Amen? Still with me? Say yes. Okay, last thing. Last thing. We, we can leave a healthy ripple effect. We really can leave a healthy ripple effect. And, and this is so important. Look at how this story ends. In verse 16 of Luke 7, it says this. Great fear, and that word fear doesn't mean like hysteria fear. It means like awe. There was awe. Great fear swept the crowd. They praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited us and his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. I, have you ever seen pictures 
of like, there's, there's hundreds of them, a pebble that's been thrown into a really still pond or a lake and it's just glass. And once the pebble hits the water and it shows the line coming up and then, and then those rings start going across the water, the, the ripples. Is it amazing that just one pebble can impact an entire pond? And those ripples go all the way to the edge. And I found myself praying, Lord, how can we just be those little pebbles? That it's not a big splash, and maybe people don't think it's any big deal. But if we can just be the pebble that God uses to create the ripple effect to impact our community, to impact northern Colorado, El Salvador, Africa, India, China. If we can be the people who can do what God puts within our reach and do it well, we can change the world by being led by the Spirit in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that you were fully present that moment with that widow and the loss of her boy. Thank you that you cared. We know that he probably died again at some point in his life. We don't know when. So did she. But in that moment, it changed everything. Thank you for caring about our emotions and feelings. With heads bowed in this room, I want to pray over some of you. And and this might not be easy for some, but I, I feel like it's important just to own it. And you don't have to raise your hand, but just before God, just say, yes, Lord, that's me. If you know, you're, you've been stuck focusing on you quite a bit, and you're, you're sort of a here-I-am person, whether that's in an ego or whether it's in just self-absorption in your pain, it's still, you've made life a lot about you. And, and the Spirit wants to relieve you of that and, and bring healthy conviction, not because God's mad or angry at you, but because you're, you're better than that. You're for more than that. You're for more than just living for yourself. So just right now, if that's you, and God and the Spirit's talking, just say, Lord, I'm, I don't want to just live for me. I, I feel your presence. I want to be a there-you-are person. And I want to care about others. And forgive me for being so self-absorbed in this season of my life. Change me. Challenge me. Because only the Spirit of God can do that, you guys, not someone else. God wants to help you. He'll partner with you. He'll put ideas in your mind. And then another thing that I want to pray for that, that I do want you to raise your hand to if you feel like it, is just to say, I want to, I want to be led by the Spirit where I see, I spiritually see more opportunity than what I usually do. And I, I'm not good at that. And God, help open my spiritual eyes so that I can really feel that awareness and that discernment. Would you just lift your hand with me? It's probably all of us, but just in that sense, Lord, we give this to you, that we can really have a discerning eye and that our spirit bears witness of truth as we journey through life. We love you. We thank you. God, thank you for people in these auditoriums today who love you, who are serving you, and uh, challenge us, Lord. Pull us along and help us to be led by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you for going on a journey, for trusting God, for being a learner, for growing. Amen. Ushers, come, would you? This is your opportunity to pay tithe on your lottery winnings. Actually, we're going to pray over this offering. And as we say a lot at Timberline, we say, give through Timberline, not just to Timberline. Because we, we are involved all over the world making a difference, and we exist for that. So, you guys, thanks for your faithfulness, even financially in tough times. Uh, you're making a difference through your local church. God bless you in that. Lord, we give out of joy today. Thank you for your faithful people who uh, are, are 
are giving from their heart. Help us, Lord, as we are accountable to be good stewards of every penny given today. We trust you in your name. Amen. If you're a guest, we don't expect you to give. Just be our guest. Drop your communication card in. You are a great God. We love you. Lord, thank you so much that uh, we can be led by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, lead us as we go from this room. Take us to those places where we can make a difference in our sphere of influence. Help us to see the things you want us to see, God. We trust you fully. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you guys. Our prayer team is going to come up right now. If you want someone to pray with you, please come on up in both auditoriums. Go by the tables. See you next time. Thanks for coming to Timberline.